Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Grammar Girl here. Today we're revisiting the concept of restrictive versus non-restrictive elements. In past Grammar Girl episodes, I've talked about how to use the words which and that with restrictive and non-restrictive elements. This time, we'll help you figure out what the concepts of restrictive and non-restrictive have to do with participial phrases, such as making me cry and banging his nose, and when to use a comma before such phrases. In case you're not up on the concepts of restrictive and non-restrictive clauses, here's a quick review so we're all on the same page. A restrictive clause is just part of a sentence that you can't get rid of because it specifically restricts some other part of the sentence. You could say, the boy who threw up on Space Mountain wished he had stayed home. Here, the who clause is restrictive. It defines which particular boy wished he had stayed home. So you can't delete the clause, nor do you use commas around it. You can't delete the clause, so you don't use commas. On the other hand, a non-restrictive clause is something that can be left off without changing the meaning of the sentence. You can think of a non-restrictive clause as simply additional information. Such clauses are usually surrounded by or preceded by commas. An example is the which clause in this sentence. The town, which lies 30 miles from the capital, is famous for its potato festival. The which clause, which lies 30 miles from the capital, is surrounded by commas. It contains additional information that isn't necessary to understand the sentence, so you can delete the clause if you want. It can be easy to get confused about restrictive and non-restrictive elements, so remember this. If it's extra information, use extra commas. Now let's get to the issue at hand. In this episode, we're comparing sentences like, she yelled at me, making me cry, and she's the lady making me cry. One of these making me cry phrases is restrictive, and one is not. Before we reveal which sentence needs a comma and which doesn't, let's go back to a term from the beginning of the show, participial phrase. To understand what that is, we need to learn about participles. According to the grammar desk reference, quote, Participles take two forms, present participles, always ending in ing, and past participles, usually ending in d or ed, unquote. Today, we're concerned with present participles, such as the word making. Making me cry is a participial phrase because it's headed up by the participle making. Participial phrases can appear anywhere in a sentence, but today we're focusing on those that come at the end. The problem with sentence-ending participial phrases is that writers often add such a phrase as an afterthought, and then often omit a needed comma. You can't just stick on a phrase somewhere without paying attention to punctuation. 
If a participial phrase comes at the end of a sentence, use a comma, unless the phrase is restrictive. So now we're back to restrictive versus non-restrictive. Remember, if it's extra information, use extra commas. In the sentence, she yelled at me, making me cry, you use a comma because making me cry is extra information. Here's another example. Everyone over 50 was fired, causing an uproar. You put a comma after everyone over 50 was fired. Making me cry and causing an uproar are acting as afterthoughts in these sentences, so both require a comma beforehand. While listening, you may have noticed that I paused slightly before the participial phrases. That's no surprise because commas often indicate slight breaks. It's a myth that you put in commas wherever you would pause. Don't rely on that fake rule. But it's true that you often pause when you hit a comma when you're reading a sentence aloud. If you missed the pauses before, listen now to this new example. He ran into the wall, banging his nose in the process. There was a comma after he ran into the wall, and that's where there was the slight pause. Now let's listen to some sentence-ending participial phrases that don't require a comma. You already heard the sentence, she's the lady making me cry. Here, we don't use a comma because we can't delete the phrase making me cry. This phrase defines which particular lady we're talking about. It's restrictive. It's not extra information. It's essential information. If we delete making me cry, we're left with she's the lady, which doesn't have the same meaning. Here's another example. I saw the waves crashing onto the surfer. Here, crashing onto the surfer tells us something very specific about the waves, what the waves were doing. It's not extra information. It's essential to the sentence. Again, notice that when I read the sentence aloud, there was no pause before the participial phrase. I'm going to say this again because it's important. A pause in a sentence does not mean that's where you use a comma. However, in this specific instance, there's no comma because the clause is restrictive, and I didn't pause when I read it aloud. I saw the waves crashing onto the surfer. In summary, when your sentence ends with a participial phrase, you need to decide if the phrase contains extra information or crucial information. If it's extra information, added information, add a comma. This podcast was written by Bonnie Tranga, author of The Curious Case of the Misplaced Modifier, who blogs at sentencesleuth.blogspot.com. And I'm Mignon Fogarty. And if you like this podcast, you'll like my books, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing and The Grammar Devotional. That's all. Thanks for listening. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. 
but those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.